Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. A Canva helps you get your point across uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Welcome to BrainStuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, BrainStuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. Let's face it. One of the best things about making a campfire is making s'mores, the quintessentially American treat consisting of a toasted gooey marshmallow and a square of melted chocolate pressed between two crisp graham crackers. But have you ever wondered where graham crackers came from or where they got their name? The original graham cracker was a health food developed in the 1830s from the teachings of an American food reformer and religious teacher named Sylvester Graham, who, by all accounts, would be appalled by what's called a graham cracker today, which is typically made with refined flour, high fructose corn syrup, and a dab of honey for marketing purposes. Instead, Graham's original cracker called for just wheat and graham flour— a form of whole wheat flour made by grinding the endosperm of winter wheat into a fine powder and mixing it with the bran and wheat germ. It has a coarse texture and nutty flavor. The resulting cracker contained no sugar or fat and often had to be softened by soaking or boiling before eating. We spoke with New York-based food historian Sarah Wasberg-Johnson. She said, 
It's funny that of all the things that he talks about with his health reform, that's the one thing that gets widely adopted and has his name. A gram flower gets adopted by people who may not even be aware of him, even toward the end of the 19th century, and persists into some of the 20th century. You hear about gram gems and gram bread in cookbooks up to the 1940s and 50s. Graham, who was not a doctor, although he sometimes went by Dr. Graham, was horrified by the overprocessing and enriching of wheat flour and believed that the loss of fiber and other nutrients in white flour ruined consumers' health. In 1837, Graham published a pamphlet entitled A Treatise on Bread and Breadmaking. In the intro, he wrote, Thousands in civic life will, for years, and perhaps as long as they live, eat the most miserable trash that can be imagined in the form of bread. He was basically advocating for whole wheat, homemade bread, and was thus hailed by the philosopher-poet Ralph Waldo Emerson as the prophet of bran bread. Graham was a proponent and follower of vegetarianism, founding the American Vegetarian Society in 1850. He also believed in limiting exposure to most spices, refined sugar, and all processed foods. A Presbyterian minister, Graham was a member of the temperance movement, abstaining not only from alcohol, but even from using yeast in baking. Johnson explained, I think that's why graham crackers became a thing, because they were unleavened, they didn't have brewer's yeast in them. The temperance movement was a big part of a certain kind of Protestantism, but the really hardcore temperance people, like Graham, believed you couldn't use yeast because yeast produces alcohol. In addition to writing about food, Graham also gave lectures on diet reform that are difficult to separate from his religious philosophy because he himself did not. Graham's views on diet were linked not only to physical, but also to moral and spiritual health. He promoted daily bathing, toothbrushing, eating three regular meals a day, getting outside, drinking only the cleanest water, and exercising. All great stuff by today's standards. He also believed that illness came from immorality, including indulging in any form of lust or sexual contact for any reason other than procreation, and even that any more often than necessary. Many of Graham's recommendations for healthy living, uh, cold baths, sleeping on hard mattresses, abstaining from alcohol, meat, sugar, spicy foods, refined foods, and even warm foods were meant to help you avoid overstimulation and thus protect you from sinful temptation. Johnson points out that these practices were also similar to those of the self-disciplinary ascetic monks of the medieval period, which were partially in response to the plague. She explained, many of Graham's health reforms that happened in the 19th century come out of a series of cholera and typhoid epidemics. That's where the water cure comes in, and the emphasis on the health and sanitation of avoiding the excesses of life that people thought might be a factor in disease. At the time, technological change and new urbanism brought about changes in society that not everyone viewed positively. Graham was rightly concerned about food purity and the dangers in commercial food production as populations shifted from farms to cities but his religious convictions tempered the lasting influence of this man who was a forerunner of the American health food movement. Johnson said, he believed there's less peer pressure to behave correctly if you move to the city where you're not known to everyone. A lot of his ideas are about control and how you create order in a time of change and chaos. He stripped a lot of the joy out of life, eating, sex, sleeping, and baths, which is why his actual teachings are not adopted. 
Part of it is the temperance. Part of it is the self-denial. Who wants to sleep on a board if you don't have to? Who wants to take a cold bath if you don't have to? But graham flour, especially if you're using freshly ground whole wheat, is delicious. It's really good and does have a lot more flavor than white flour. I can see why that would be the thing that persists. But at the time, he had thousands of followers, referred to as Grahamites. American author Louisa May Alcott's family kept a Graham table, where meat, tobacco, and coffee were banned. Graham greatly influenced other health reformers, who were also religious leaders of the day, including Ellen White, an adherent of Seventh-day Adventism, and Dr. John Kellogg, another Seventh-day Adventist, who, along with his brother, Will, invented granola, cornflakes, the foundation of the Kellogg's brand, and who also would have been horrified by what we modernly do with his creations. Today's episode was written by Patty Rasmussen and produced by Tyler Klang. For more on this and lots of other granular topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.